And welcome to Fangphology. My name's Kaylee Donaldson. And I'm Catherine Slavova. So usually when you listen to our shows, I'm sure you know, we like to do things a little more academic. We like to keep things very formal, very well researched. We like to really dig deep with lots of secondary sources on our topic. It's Halloween month, so we've decided to do something a little bit different. We are going to bring to you the 100% official, no backsies, Ranking of the hottest Draculas in film and television. Why did you say no backsies? <laughs> hey, like, you know, it's official. We got to, you got to stick by your words, you know? You got to, like, set an example. Obviously, it could change when there are more Draculas because we're getting a ton of them, hopefully, in the future. There should always be more Draculas. We've said it many times. Right now, we're working with pretty solid list of contenders. It's going to be done by the typical internet ranking of these things, S tier, A tier, B, C, and D. Have you ever played the Sonic games? It's basically that. There are a couple of rules in place, which we will explain to you thusly. One, it's entirely based on hotness. It has nothing to do with fidelity to the source material. It has nothing to do with the quality of the film or television series that they are in. It has nothing to do with anything remotely serious or academic basically two we understand we're not working with every dracula here we're sticking to film and tv that we have personally seen and able to get a hold of there are a bunch of adaptations that are simply not available for us to view we know that there are various ones in different languages and from different eras of filmmaking that are apparently very good or very interesting we have just not been able to get hold of them so if there is a Dracula missing and you're wondering why, that's probably why. That and Google wasn't very helpful that day. Yeah, well, <laughs> well we don't, I think we've got enough here to inspire a spirited debate and certainly a lot of familiar faces and recognisable names. We are certainly covering, at the very least, the most notable adaptations of Dracula of the past century. And there have been a lot of them, remember. Also, once again... Our opinions, our choices. Yes, it's 100% official and you'll never be able to fight with us ever on this. But, you know, subjectivity. What we like is what we like. This isn't all that serious. Calm down. Yeah. And if you do want to play along at home, uh, I will be linking the tier maker in the description. Are you ready to jump into this then? Do I have a choice? I mean, we're not going to back out now. You have to get up very early to do this. There is a 12-hour time difference between us, guys. It is a tough life. We're at the door to the castle. Let's do this. Let's knock. Okay, we are also going to be doing this basically chronologically. It was the easiest way to organize these things. We're going to be starting with the Grand Cell, the very first Dracula that still exists to this day. Sorry, silent films that are lost to time. 1930s Dracula, directed by Todd Browning, starring Bela Lugosi, the, the main man. Just before we do anything... They also have to be explicitly called Dracula. Yes. So if you're wondering why we're skipping past Count Orlok in F.W. Murnau's Nosferatu, that is why. Yes, we know it's still plagiarism and he is Dracula. Go watch it on YouTube. He's probably called Orlok. Don't nitpick with us. Also, 
it would just be mean because he would just be going directly to the bottom and we wanted to start on a higher note. I gotta say, like, what is really fascinating about Dracula of 1931 that everyone forgets is Bela Lugosi was a huge sex symbol in 1931 because of this film and because of the stage show that he originated that got him this role. I mean, part of this is also his own self-aggrandizing. He talked constantly about how women were falling at his feet. That was probably mostly true, but not entirely. He famously talked about how women love horror and they hunger for it and come back for more, which he's not wrong on. Looking at this one is obviously kind of... You have to look at it as a topic of hindsight, because to our eyes and to the eyes of audiences for the past several decades, Bela Lugosi is the parodic version of Dracula. Like, he's beyond mockery now. It's been done so many times. It's iconography that's now kind of a joke. You don't know Bella Lugosi, you know everyone being Bella Lugosi. Yeah, it's the same way that you probably don't know what Christopher Walken sounds like. You've just heard so many Christopher Walken impressions in your life. Yeah, that's that's close enough. That's that's close enough. I think we have to give him at least B or C. I would say C because C tier because this is obviously like very much a taste thing as well. But I think you have to give credit to just how big a impact that character was at the time and how much of that pre-code Dracula because this is 1931 is still playing around with like the idea of him being this kind of alluring sexual creature like we don't really get full-on versions of that in Dracula until the 70s and we'll get to our boy on that front but like I think you get points for at least understanding what the the flappers of 1931 were were all in a tizzy about so the nice thing about this tier maker, by the way, is that once somebody's on there, you can move them around. So if we feel like, no, actually, he needs to be bumped up a bit in comparison, we can easily do that. Uh, I will agree with the B, because I think, like, the guy's got style. I mean, yeah, that, that cape works for a reason, guys. Also, he has a castle with armadillos and bees with their own coffins. I, I give him credit for that. Does not affect his hotness, though, remember. True, but like half the reason I find Phantom of the Opera hot is he's got great sense of decor. You know, but you've got to consider some of these things. Murder is obviously bad, but fashion. Fashion's forever, kids. We're off to a really great start. <laughs> the new tagline for the next Dracula movie where Dracula wants to live out his dream of becoming a fashion designer and moves to, like, Milan or something. <laughs> Dracula on Queer Eye. <laughs> I mean, they did the Babadook <laughs> and that robot chicken. Look, if the Babadook and Pennywise can be, like, great queer icons now, Dra- Dracula should be decades ahead of that already. I mean, and then you've got Chucky as that clip has been going around. Yes, add Dracula to the support of gay dads, queer dads. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we move on to our next one. We're going to be here a while. Yeah, so first entry straight onto the bees, but there may be lesser bees why are we talking so much about bees? Are, these, yes. are they in the coffins? <laughs> because no. Dracula has pet bees, which is like the coolest detail of the Todd Browning movie. Everyone forgets that. So the next one is also from 1931, and that's Carlos Villares, um, who is in the Dracula adaptation that, in, of the Spanish language that was also made by Universal at the same time. This is a really cool detail of history that we're probably going to do an episode on in the near future. Cine- uh, Hollywood studios in the early days of film used to make Spanish language essentially scene for scene remakes of their original films for the um, really b- huge market of places like Mexico. 
and the Dracula of that era is actually super fascinating. In many ways, it is a more dynamic adaptation of the, of the film than the Todd Browning version. It's a lot more like sexy. Like the, the tops are all way more low cut in this version. It is a fascinating film that you should check out. In terms of hotness, I don't know. I mean, he's a much hammier presence on film. There's a lot of turning to the camera and talking more like a soap villain. Like I would watch Dracula the Telenova in a heartbeat with this guy. He seems like he's having the time of his life in his role. But I mean, if we're going pure aesthetics, which is a rule here, maybe see, he's, he's fine. It's just kind of, he seems more like your cheesy dad, Dracula. <laughs> Just comparing the two pictures from the stills, like, one is drama, one is, oh god, the camera's on me. It's the drama comedy masks, you see the fear. That's a quick one. Once again, we will maybe move some of these around later. We are fickle creatures, us humans, obviously. Let's moving on. Uh, with 1945 is Dracula played by John Carradine, one of the real Hollywood legends. I have not seen this version. Neither. Neither. Honestly, when I saw this picture, my first thought is that's more Van Helsing than Dracula. Yeah, I mean, I was like, Google keeps telling me this. And then I was like, no, nope. watch the glimpse. It's like, yeah, admittedly, I'm like, that's a that's an angle for a chin. Sorry. That is an old school Hollywood chin. I mean, he is a Carradine. He is a legend. Like, is there a famous person in Hollywood called Carradine? They are probably related to this one. Looks wise, this is more like the. This looks more like a Van Helsing to me than a Dracula. We should also point out that the Dracula he is from is House of Dracula, which was basically when they started making like the monster mash versions of these movies, where it was the Marvel Cinematic Universe of Universal's monster stories. And I think by this point in time, Bella had gotten too big for his britches, so Carradine was apparently cheaper. I think we're going to keep this one pretty low as well. So I would say put him next to our Spanish Dracula. Before or after? Hmm. I mean, he does have a hat. He does have a hat. He does have a hat. <laughs> and he is at least looking a bit serious. And I'm cool with this one for now. I, I, I get this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the most contentious stuff is going to be the ranking of the S tier. Oh yeah, we're ready for the fight on this. Um, next up is 1953's Dracula in Istanbul, which we previously did an episode on. Shameless plug, you should download it now at fangthology.com. And also watch the movie. Yeah, the movie is on YouTube and you can read the tran the most the English language translation of the books, of the book I should say. And it's, I mean, as we talked about in our episode, it really is a fascinating piece of work. And I think he is a great Dracula. What is so fascinating about that, that version is obviously the thematic changes that they've made. And then the thematic changes the film makes from the book, which is this weird sort of bootleg adaptation of Stoker's novel written by a guy who clearly thought he could kind of do better, but also had some cultural stuff he wanted to deal with. This is an unusual Dracula as well because he's bald. And not like Nosferatu bald. Just like striking aristocrat bald. Yeah, and he's also the first one to really have fangs. He has like walrus tusk fangs. (laughs) Even if they are walrus fangs. Here's the thing, I think he should go next to Lugosi because style counts for something and he has this fabulous like white tails tuxedo he's got, really sharp brows. He's full on white tie and going to make an entrance. Yes, and I, 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 once again, go watch that one. It is on YouTube. The subtitles are pretty solid. 
It is a fascinating film. Their their version of Mina is like a semi-exotic dancer, which is really cool. Yeah, and go just go listen to our episode as well, because yeah, those clicks somehow. And Jonathan is like so supportive and proud of her and her career. She's been working hard to um support him through um, law school. Now that he's a lawyer and has got his career going, she can take a step back in her career and they're going to start a family. Like, they're a team. Like, when he goes to Dracula's castle, he takes a framed photo of her in his suitcase to put on his bedside table. It's adorable. Will we put him before or after Lugosi? Because that's the thing. The more I'm talking him up now, the more I'm thinking, I think he's got it. Sorry, Bella. And who's next? Maybe one of the the iconic Draculas, which is Hammer Horror Dracula, played, of course, by Christopher Lee. This was really the breakthrough of Dracula outside of the universal monster system of Hollywood. I mean, Hammer was, I think, the first major, really widely released Dracula following Universal up until that point. Hugely controversial X-rated film because it was so violent and they really play up the sex. It's the um, the tits and gore formula that Hammer famously kind of uh, pioneered. Christopher Lee in that first film, the 1958 version, is so striking. I mean, he's so tall as well. Christopher Lee was famously about six foot three. Came from like very like high breeding of that class of British actors. It moves in that way that manages to be like swarvy but completely sinister at the same time and even as those films got more bonkers and more clearly about the tits and the gore he still had an immense kind of like a regalness to him you know you never felt like it was beneath his deep dignity even though it totally was in some of those films just in terms of consistency one of the ones that actually remember the Count and his great noble lineage. The fact that he's a Count and has a great noble lineage. Yeah, and there is that quality of I am better than all of you peasants slash humans to him that makes him so appealing and very despicable at the same time. So where are we going to put him? He's definitely higher than B tier. I think he is our first A tier. Yep, A tier. Congrats! Congrats, Chris. You're doing well. Sir Christopher, sorry. When we talk about best Chris, we never count Lee. We really should. There we go. Remove Chris Pratt and Christopher Lee. This is the problem that all the Chris's have going for them. Not one of them has played Dracula yet. So we're going to have to return to Christopher Lee because in 1970 he played Dracula again in this very strange Jesus Franco film called Count Dracula. We're counting this one differently because this is not a Hammer Dracula. This is a totally different different film. This was a German production. It is kind of bonkers. Renfield is played by Klaus Kinski, who we will be getting to in several Dracula's time. The main reason we're kind of counting this film is that Dracula has a huge fucking moustache. Yeah, I was going to say, if you didn't bring that up, I was going to because like... Because here's the thing that everyone forgets. In the book, in Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula has a huge fucking moustache. And out of all of the Draculas we're doing, like, very few of them have any kind of facial hair, much less a moustache. Yep. Very, very well. I mean, I feel like we have to rank this one below. I... Is he top of the B tier? Oh, he's not. I don't think he's above Turkish, Dracula. What do you think? Between... 
I feel like that's yeah that that is fitting because he's also very 1970 modern perspective versus the 1970s perspective he's more like 70s as a Dracula than Christopher Lee was when he was in Dracula AD 1972 so I feel like we also just have to give some point for the moustache because it's a very difficult moustache to pull off that's the thing and I think Lee is the, a kind of man who has the dignity to make it work. He was also a metal musician. You've like, you got to respect it. So I'm okay with this ranking. Yeah. I miss Christopher Lee. <laughs> Moving on to Dracula of 1974, played by Jack Palance. This is a made-for-TV film that was shown in America on, I believe, CBS. And it also stars Nigel Davenport and Simon Ward. You can find this one on YouTube, by the way. I'm, I, at one point, you could find it on YouTube. It's been a while since I've checked, but there was a period of time where you could check it out. And it is one of those... It's like a lot of these adaptations that kind of sticks to the material, but doesn't. It's condensed heavily because it was a TV movie. They are definitely playing up a lot of the kind of sexiness of it because it's the 70s and I guess we're... We're getting cool with that stuff now. The the, the Hayes Code is, is gone. We're back to realising that people in films and TV can fuck. This Dracula for me. He looks like a, like in every image of him, he kind of looks like a really scared old man who shit himself. <laughs> no offence to Jack Palance, but he just looks constipated in all of these contradictory to shitting himself. But like, he just looks a little too old for the role. And that's the thing is he's not supposed to be a young guy. But there's just he seems tired. And I think it's, I think if Jack Palance had made this in the fifties, when he was in shame and sudden fear, and when he was that kind of like he had that very craggy Western actor face, I think he totally could have done it. But not this version, sorry. Does nothing for me. Once again, this is all purely based on aesthetic. Okay, so is that our first D tier? Someone had to be. Don't worry, you're not going to be the bottom. Next up, also from 1974, is Udo Kier from Blood for Dracula, also known as Andy Warhol's Dracula, which is a gloriously bonkers film in which Dracula can only drink from the blood of virgins, or as he pronounces it, virgins. It's got all of these really fascinating, thematic, tangled ideas about the class system and the corruption of the aristocracy and the hypocrisies of the growing like left-wing subcultures it's also full of slapstick involving limbs getting chopped off and also it was shot in 3d so there's occasionally moments where things are just flung at the screen because like oh yeah we need to remind people to keep their 3d glasses on udo kier is a weird one because i find him to be such an alluring actor but he also just looks like he could murder me in my sleep which makes him a very good dracula yeah and not in the fun mad smickelson kind of way right no, but you know that's my type. Of, that's my taste in guys, anyway, which explains an awful lot about me. I feel like we can put him at least B tier. Yeah, like he's attractive but repelling, which is probably what you want with a Dracula. But in this film as well, his version of Dracula is kind of pathetic. Like he can only drink from the blood of virgins, and he keeps killing all these women that keep telling him they're virgins and they're not, and it's so sad and pathetic for him. But it's really entertaining to watch. And he's having a ball doing it. He's one of the great, like, sinister camp actors. 
he's also at this very same time they were making this film they did a Frankenstein film called Flesh for Frankenstein which features one of the greatest lines in film ever uttered which is to no life you have to fuck it in the gallbladder advice I follow every day I'm I, I, I'm sorry what you heard me I, I know that's why I said what <laughs> Just a note, question, question. So on the virgin thing, they have to be virgins? Or is this like in what we do in the shadows where you prefer it like your sandwiches that somebody hadn't fucked them? No, no, no. They have to be virgins because if they're not virgins, he vomits up the blood. Physically can't hold it down. He runs out of virgins in Romania and his assistant, who's kind of his Igor, but also might be a Nazi, is like, we should go to Italy because Italy is a Roman Catholic country. Therefore, all of the young unmarried women will be virgins. And he ends up stuck in this like crumbling aristocratic estate. And all of the daughters are having sex with the hot gardener, who is a Brooklynite, like hot Brooklynite socialist played by Joe D'Alessandro. This movie is bonkers. But I highly recommend it. I genuinely think it's really entertaining. It is one of, I believe, three vampire films in the Criterion collection. Three that I've been able to count. If there are more than three, someone let me know, because there definitely should be more than three. I think I, I, I'm, I'm cool with him being B-tier. First? I would put him second. So again, we do love White Tie. Yes. Uh, and I, But I, I will say, I do love Udo Kier. He is still acting to this day. He is a fabulously weird eccentric actor he was also in madonna's sex book have you ever looked that up online where he's just posing with all of these like naked men that he's writing it's great highly recommend it mm, i'll take your word for that <laughs> uh who's next louis jordan who is in a bbc mini series of dracula which is actually really good i think it's one of the most underrated adaptations it's also one of the most accurate or at least faithful it is probably the most accurate that I have seen. It's very 1970s, but it's like surprisingly trippy in places. I would put Louis Jordan point high. I think he's A tier. He's very aristocratic, handsome. He's got the right sinister vibe. The image we have of him in our ranking, he has light shaped like a cross across his face, which only makes him more interesting. It's kind of unfortunate that this is also where it looks like 2020 Dracula took some inspiration from just not the fidelity to the source material or be good. <laughs> that's basically, I think that's what happened. It's like, okay, but what if we made Dracula and it wasn't good? Don't worry. We will get back to ranting about that show again because it's one of my favourite hobbies. So I'm cool with this one. I think that, if nothing else, I would love people to just track down this version of Dracula. It is, I believe, still on YouTube. Check it out. It's three hours long. It's two parts. If you've always loved Dracula and just wondered why none of these adaptations really care about adapting the book, this might be like a pleasant surprise for you. Agreed? Yeah. I think this is our first S tier. I think we're just going to throw this out here. 1979 and it's Frank Langella. Who was surprised? Who was surprised? Honestly. Yeah, if you've heard us talk about this before, you'll know that we love this Dracula. This version of Dracula as well, which is directed by John Badham, who was probably best known for directing Saturday Night Fever, is fascinating. It's more based on the Hamilton Dean play than the book. And this version of the play, Langella was on Broadway for several years playing this role. I actually have the poster for it on my wall because it was designed by Ed Gorey, who did you know all of the illustrations as well. This one is like a really old school 
crumbling spiderweb covered haunted house film that's also completely focused on being a romance. This is the Dracula movie where the sex scene is famously shot by the guy who did all the opening scenes to Bond films uh, and features lasers borrowed from the Who World Tour. It is as amazing as it sounds if you haven't seen it. But I think we've talked about this before. This is really the first time Dracula is like Dracula who fucks. Like, what's the actual quote uh, from this movie uh, in the tagline? Throughout history, he has filled the hearts of men with terror and the hearts of women with desire. I mean, he's probably also filled the hearts of women with terror, but that's where the desire comes in. Hearts of men, too. I mean, like... Yeah. I was going to say, also, if we were ranking this based purely on cape abilities... There is a scene in this film where Frank Langella removes his cape with this swirling action that is the coolest thing you have ever seen. Is it like Drew Sarich level of cape twirling? Yes. Yes. It's brilliant. I, this is one of my favourite Dracula adaptations. It's really hard to get hold of, unfortunately. It used to be on YouTube, it's not anymore. But um, this is Dracula as, like, the seductive gentleman. There's been a couple of new Blu-ray releases uh, through, like, Scream Factory... I think there's one version which is that desaturated one that the director really wanted and then a definitely Scream Factories has that full colour version. So it is available. I'm not a massive fan of the play. Like, I think the play is very... Like a lot of theatre of that time, it's very kind of obviously stagey but just very stilted. But this is such a beautifully done adaptation. Like... I wish more about this one. I think it has more of a cult reputation. At the time, it was a huge flop. But it is our first S tier. And once you see the film, you will understand. I mean, the open shirts is kind of a big clue. Oh, yeah. He has a full open shirt. He has huge hair. Yep. Just entering through the mist like David Copperfield. Also, fun fact, after Frank Langella left that production on Broadway, he was replaced by Raul Julia. And unfortunately, videos... Do not exist of this performance, but images do. And they will... If that, if there was a recorded version of this, even if it was like a bootleg recorded on one of those giant over-the-shoulder camcorders, we'd probably break our rule to include it on this, this, this ranking. I mean, it's probably in theatre archive somewhere, but was never produced for, you know, public consumption. It's in the, you know, archival records of theatres or some library. Or it's just in one guy's, like, weird pervy archive. <laughs> I respect that, no bad. Next up, um, also from 1979, is Love at First Bite Dracula, which is a comedy parody horror version starring George Hamilton, one of the most orange men who have ever existed. He does know how to dance. It's fine. I mean, I've, I know some people who really like this film. I, I tend to find most of our comedies terrible, except for, like, Fright Night and obviously What Do You Do in the Shadows. The thing is, well, this Dracula is clearly designed to look like very archaic, very old school aristocratic. There's a touch of like, revolutionary France about him. He's clearly wearing like a powdered face. He's got the beauty spot on his lip. Um, he's got like perfectly coiffed hair. It's fine. It's much more like, not D tier. I think good for you, not for me kind of thing. It's sort of also about the fact that in the movie he is very much playing a fish out of water arriving in this very modern uh, city and sort of making everyone sort of long for some of those older vibes and things you know she wants someone a bit more charming and dashing and 
also still able to do some great disco dancing. Because it's 1979, of course there is disco music in it. Fish out of water Dracula or like fish out of water vampire stories are very hard to do well. A lot of it tends to be very lazy. Cough 2020 Dracula. But I digress. We'll get to that later. So yeah, I feel like we should... He's C tier, I think. C tier, but is a top of the C tier? Yeah, yeah, go on. We'll, we'll be doing some rearranging later. I'm not... I, I am not mad about any of this. I'm not picky. I think we know exactly where our next one is going to go. This is another 1979 film. Good year for vampires, apparently. Yeah, and apparently no one went to see like any of these movies because we weren't around yet. Um, this is uh, uh, the other Nosferatu movie, Nosferatu das Vampir, directed by Klaus, uh, directed by Werner Herzog, starring Klaus Kinski. I mean, it's Nosferatu. He is technically Dracula in this version. That's the thing. Is by this point in time. Ram Stoker's novel is in the public domain and Herzog, who's a huge fan of the original movie, was like, I can't do a Herzog impression, read this in his voice, but you know, I wanted, I love the film, I wanted to bring it back to its roots. It's plagiarised roots. I would like to see the Dracula. I would like to see the Dracula, yes. I don't know what accent that was. I'm not a good person with accents. I, uh, I would like to see the Dracula. <laughs> I think that's more Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> But you know what the meme is. Everyone knows what he sounds like. Poor Klaus Kinski. I mean, he is to look as grotesque as possible, which is the whole point of adapting Nosferatu. It's a really interesting one. We talked about this in our episode on Nosferatu. This version, he is more evidently pathetic. Like, he's scary, but you mostly just feel immense pity for him. Because he's so lonely and he cannot integrate into society. He has nothing left. He's just like trapped in this horrible state where he's also still too afraid to die. It's very German. So yeah, I mean, of course, no one's ranking Zrauhai. Sorry. Maybe that's your thing. We're not mad at you, but like, come on. We did discuss a no tier, but that would have been mean. Also, I couldn't get the thing to work. We didn't do a nope tier because we felt like we had to keep some veil of positivity to this. Because, you know, we, we're pro-vampire, in case you hadn't heard. So, after leaving the 17, 1979, the year of Dracula, apparently, uh, we'll move straight over to the 90s. I don't think there were any... Were there any in the 80s? Or were they just like... The 80s has some solid vampire movies, but I don't think there are any specifically Dracula ones. If there are and we missed them, let us know. But if we didn't include them, once again, it's because we didn't see them and didn't get access to them. 1991, so we're splitting this one into two, as you will understand in a second, is Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, because that's the only way you can officially say the title, according to my friends. This is my favourite Dracula film. This is one of my favourite films full stop. Dracula is played by Gary Oldman in a brilliant performance, but there is Dracula, the old one with the weird haircut that the Simpsons mock, and then there is young, refreshed Dracula with the best wardrobe of the 90s. We could have included him and his red armour, but I think we just wanted to get like the two ends of the spectrum of this character, rather than, I guess, the red armour median. The armour is very cool, though. They put it back into The Witcher for their vampire DLC. So, you know, somebody had good taste on there. Shout out to the late great Aiko Ishioka for creating the, the single greatest set of film costumes of any film of the 90s. And maybe ever, actually. I think those costumes are, every single one of them is a masterpiece. Um, and that certainly helps Oldman's case as he gets into the second part of his Dracula look. But first one, I think we know where he's going. It's where on the D 
like because he's got a pair of double D's on his head. <laughs> right. I mean, he has better style than the other two. I'll give him that. That red cloak is fabulous. He doesn't cut his nails, full, so that is a problem. He seems to be a solid host. That's not bad. Yep. But does feed a, a, a baby to his wives. Knocks them down. When your wife says, I want a baby, I don't <laughs> think that's what they typically mean. <laughs> you know, when I say, give me a baby, that's not what they mean. Take the hint, Dracula. That is a very dark webcomic idea you just created there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think we put him in the middle, if only because he does have that hair and it could be a nice division between the two. Also inspired one of the great Simpsons Treehouse of Horror parodies. But when it comes to the other Dracula, as played by Gary Oldman, like, this has got to rank pretty high. It's straight up S tier. It's just the question of... Oh, he's behind Frank. But I think he's just behind Frank Langella. I mean, the sheer level of heat that he has with Winona Ryder in those scenes... Yeah. ...is very appealing. Um, and he's so well-dressed. I kind of prefer the, just, like, that Langella's Dracula just has his normal accent. Yeah. Because, like, Gary Oldman is doing some accent work. <laughs> he is enjoying himself here. And I, res- I, res- I respect the commitment. But, yeah, Frank is going to be tough to topple. I'll, I will say that. But um, Oldman gives it a good go. And honestly, if you haven't seen Coppola's version of Dracula, what... What are you doing? I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix in most territories. So go watch it. Next, we're going up to another comedy one, which is um, Dracula Dead and Loving It by Mel Brooks, starring Leslie Nielsen. Bless Leslie, you're the man, the legend, you know, but also one of uh, Mel Brooks's worst movies. It's the grandfather thing that is like, no. Yeah. Not that we don't like you, but like, Granddad. Like, we do love a man with a sense of humour and can laugh at things and at himself, but, like, Granddad. Like, he actually gives off grandfather feels. So, you know, your granddad's just shown up to a costume party kind of thing. Is he before or after Gary Oldman <laughs> is the question? He's not ugly, it's just he's even less attractive. He's just old, and we shouldn't discriminate on ageism, Frank. It's like, let's put him before old men, because we don't want to be ageist. <laughs> and I think we're already veering very close to that territory. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Leslie. Um, we do love you. But yeah. We respect you too much to sexualize you, at least in this movie. Speaking of people we can sexualize... It's 2000s, Dracula 2000! Or Dracula 2001 if you're in the UK because of release dates, which is just the most hilarious detail. We have talked about this before. Specifically, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I have an immense affection for this movie. I have probably seen this film more than any other person alive, including people who made the damn thing. This is Dracula with Jared Butler, guys, and bless him. I know they hired him because he was cheap. You know, I, I respect that. It would have been better if they'd let him keep his normal accent, as it would be with most things. Stop trying to make Jared Butler American. It doesn't work. But he has fabulous long curly hair in this version. He has a proper new metal goth coat, because it is 2000. He walks around the Virgin Megastore in New Orleans, which is just so hilarious on the nose. He is fully out to get women in this one, and he gets them. He does not drink coffee. He fucks women on the ceiling, though. <laughs> An actual line in the movie. The best bit, there is a bit on the plane 
like the, their version of the Demeter Crossing, which is actually pretty funny and well done, when he holds his hand out to Jennifer Esposito, like I think the implication is he's hypnotizing her, but he's literally just kind of like, so bien, and she's like, yeah, sorry, boyfriends, sorry, criminals. <laughs> I mean, she's just like, I mean, it's Gerard Butler. Come on. Um, Watch the behind the scenes making of this film as well. It's very funny because he's the most Glaswegian man that's ever existed in those shots. I, I feel like we've got to put, um, you know, maybe this is, per- I mean, the thing is, it's personal affection, but also pure subjectivity. And it's our fucking list. I think S tier. But I say behind Oldman. End of the S tier. Because there's no gravitas to his Dracula in the slightest. Like, Dracula 2000 is one of those weird movies like. It's not like a, the best, but like they they knew their stuff when they were making it, and they were thinking about things. It's just the final product was very two thousand. I mean, we talked about this before as well. That, that movie is fascinating because clearly it was made by people who had much bigger ideas and had more ambitious themes that they wanted to cover. But then Dimension, which was the horror division of the Weinstein's, were just like no dumb it down sexy teen movie kids are stupid so it is this fascinating mix of like sexy teen movie and really interesting thematic take on the religious aspect of dracula does it succeed at any of them maybe not but i have seen that movie so many times i am not the person to judge objectively i watch that film all the time (laughs) does include like the dracula the demeter crossing it just puts it in a plane it's a modern update you know as dracula slaughters his way through the crew there are some great one-liners in that film too. Johnny Lee Miller gets to like kick ass and I respect it. Uh, so I'm cool with that ranking. Bless Jenner Butler and your strange, strange career. The next one is another 2001. This one is much harder to get. I believe it was also on YouTube for a while. If not, go check Daily Motion. They have everything. Is Dark Prince, the true story of Dracula, which is a... Ah, you are wrong. It's not... Are we going by? Are we going by Buffy? This is Buffy versus Dracula. Okay, but it's the same year as Buffy. Yes, in the same year he played Dracula in Buffy versus Dracula. He did Dracula: The Dark Prince. So we should explain this one because it's actually Dracula and not Vlad Tepes waking up at the end of the movie as a vampire because we gotta tie it in somehow. But as we, sh- as we should explain, this is um, Rudolf Martin, who's a German actor. In 2000, he was in this TV movie on the USA Network called Dark Prince, The True Story of Dracula, which was trying to tie up the bullshit idea, as we've explained in episodes before, that Vlad Tepes was the direct historical inspiration for Bram Stoker. He wasn't. We've talked about this before. I will talk about it again. Yeah, this version also has the... Hungarian King being played by Roger Daltrey from The Who. It is a very strange adaptation. (laughs) But that same year, Rudolf Martin played Dracula in the Buffy the Vampire episode, Buffy vs. Dracula, which is a bad episode of television. It is a bad version of Dracula. I really like Martin Oxen, who wrote the episode, but like, if you're gonna thing in fucking Dracula to Buffy, you need to give that man more than one episode. I, I do appreciate Spike just thinking him a complete and utter douche, though. But he's also, like, stupidly easy to kill in this version. I mean, he's a posing loser, which I do kind of appreciate. But I think they should have given him an, a season arc, at least. But this was season five, Buffy. They were doing other things. He's good looking. He's, he's had, like, I'm not mad at it. I think that's his real redeeming quality. But he is very 2000 vampire. Like, 
he looks so much like Stuart Townsend as Lestat in Queen of the yeah. Damned that it's a little disconcerting. He's actually probably about as appealing as Lestat in that movie. Bleh, I, <laughs> I really need the Vampire Chronicles TV show to be good, you guys. My hopes are so... There's a lot hanging on the line for this one, guys. But that's a book. <laughs> it's not had its luck with adaptations. It had Interview with the Vampire and it's like it used up everything that it could have had that was good. I know. I mean, the new the new guy that's playing Lestat looks handsome enough. I know nothing about him other than he's Australian. I think the new Louis looks really cool. Like, I don't want to get my hopes up because I don't want to be one of those fans. I gave up fandom a long time ago, guys. I'm supposed to be a professional. I'm failing miserably. Anyway, I think, once again, we're going pure aesthetics. He's exactly the kind of Dracula I would have wanted on my wall at that age and all the way through until I was at least 16. So I think he's A tier. Yeah, before Christopher Lee, because of the, you know, pretty boy thing. Yeah, this is the thing. Are we going for, like, striking nobility or p- pretty boys? Like, I'm not usually a pretty boy girl, but, like... There's still part of me that wants to put on my My Chemical Romance t-shirt and think about that, you know? He's got a checklist and he's ticked everything off with the with the look he's going for. Yes, so I, once again, I respect that. Um, It's not a good episode of, of, of Buffy... I have also not seen a massive amount of Buffy, but a season arc at least, Joss, come on. Moving on swiftly is, um, I think, another one of our personal favourites. This is S-tier, Zhang Wei Qiang, who is a ballet dancer, and this is Guy Madden's Dracula Pages from a Virgin's Diary, which is a very strange movie adaptation of the Winnipeg Ballet's version of Dracula, which is shot like an experimental silent movie it's i love this film i don't think we talk about it enough i really should put it in my top 125 i had to expand my list to include more vampire movies but um he is also a rarity in our list i believe he is our only non-white dracula which sucks and is also very indicative of the whiteness of the vampire genre in general we would love to have included more non-white draculas we sadly just have not seen them or, or don't have access to them if you can get hold of some of them for us, let us know, because we'd definitely love to see them. Atif. Oh, yes. My apologies. In terms of our wonderful ballet dancing Dracula, if you haven't seen Dracula Pages from a Virgin's Diary, I believe this one is also on YouTube. This one is really fascinating because it does hammer home the, the racist and xenophobic themes of Dracula. This idea of like, the handsome foreign count coming over here, taking our women and our land. And obviously in a very literal way, with the actor being a man of colour. Yeah, this version is on YouTube. It's actually quite short. It's only about um, hour 20, I think. If you're really interested in ballet, it's probably not the best one to watch. The ballet is actually shot really weirdly. But as like a fascinating experiment, I highly recommend it. He is so handsome. He is S tier. Yeah, I mean, like the cheekbones. He's doing the the butler hair better than Butler did. So he is definitely above Butler. It's a case of... I think he's second. I'm putting putting him behind Langella. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like... This is one of those ones where you watch your Dracula and you're just like, yeah, go with him. Damnation, worth it. Go for it. Very German expressionist, love it. So from 2002, we move on to 2004 with an Australian. Uh, Richard Roxborough from uh, Van Helsing. Definitely not the best and most faithful Dracula adaptation. 
And sadly, every picture of um, him in this film, every sort of screenshot, he looks awful. He's clearly one of those guys who looks better. The Dracula looks way better in motion. Yeah, Richard Roxburgh is a really fascinating actor because he's so acclaimed, especially in Australia, where he's from. He does a lot of stage work. He does a lot of TV there. In Hollywood, he's mostly known for playing unfathomably hammy villains. He played Dracula. He is Moriarty in the terrible League of Extraordinary Gentlemen film that I also really enjoy. He is the evil duke in Moulin Rouge. Um, he has a great villain face and he's really he clearly has fun with it. Like, he is having so much fun playing Dracula in Van Helsing. I mean, he spends a lot of time, like, loud yelling, whispering... There's a moment where he says, like, have you no heart? And he goes, I am hollow. And it's so dumb. <laughs> and I love it so much. And and, and yet he and his wives, like, he, he really like loves his wives. And they all grieve over the fact they can't have children. But he also doesn't wash his hair. Yeah, he's got the pre-Loki Loki hair. Yeah, I wonder if he pissed off the wig maker on that film. Because his wig is so greasy. <laughs> Maybe they were just like, no, 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 he's looking too handsome, he's competing with Hugh Jackman, we gotta do something about this. We also have to give a shout out to Richard Roxburgh, because he ended up actually marrying one of his own brides in that film. His yeah. wife is Sylvia Kalosha, who uh, he met making that film. And another one of the wives was the, uh, the girl who was being seduced by Dracula in the Backstreet Boys music video that everyone knows. We did not include that Dracula in here because it's not a movie or TV show. I don't know where we'd rank him. Also, he's not technically named Dracula in it. Yeah. But it is funny that we see the actual seduction and then the marriage later on. Gotta be higher than Lee, right? But does he come before or after Martin? I don't. He's not S tier, I don't think. But he's like... If he'd washed his hair... I mean, this is the thing I'm having trouble getting over is the hair. The hair. I just... It's so greasy. You touch it and get stuck. It just looks like, you know, that period in Marvel where they didn't entirely know what to do with Loki and he was clearly, like, too alluring and too appealing to fans so they're like, maybe we should make it look like he's got dandruff. But oil as well, like... Yeah. He's not conditioning properly, uh... like, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's not like, you know... Every picture of him, he's just engaged in slaughter and there's blood everywhere. That kind of mess yeah. in his hair. This is just more like, he's obviously styled it though. Like he's got it pulled back. He's got the artful wisps of, of hair across his face. It's just like, change your shampoo, buddy. Yeah, I mean, we will have to give this Dracula credit because he does have a bitchin' ballroom. I've put him behind Rudolph Martin because Rudolph Martin can use shampoo. Yes, that seems fair. That seems fair. I like a Dracula who's having fun as well. Like, no more fun in their life than Richard Roxburgh is having fun as Dracula. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he did win a Stinker's Bad Movie Award for Worst Fake Accent. <laughs> I don't think he cared. He's probably just like, neat. I don't think they were wrong either. Yeah. He's like, you're not wrong. I do not care. Puts the trophy on the mantelpiece and shows everyone when they come by his house. I respect that too. Uh, moving on two more years to 2006, we have Mark Warren in the first Dracula adaptation of the 21st century by the BBC. I don't know if we've talked about this on a Fangology before. We've definitely talked about it in other contexts. This is a... The syphilis one. This is a this is the syphilis Dracula. This is the one where 
Arthur, who's played by Dan Stevens, pre Downton Abbey, is riddled with syphilis and he is basically told we need you to get this guy into the country and he will help cure you. Turns out it's Dracula. He has no desire to heal this guy. He just wants all the women. He's played by Mark Warren, who you may know from Hustle. He was Mr. Tiatemi in the Hogfather adaptation from about a decade ago. He's, I don't know. It's a weird one because I feel like they're going for sexy, but he's so sleepy in this adaptation. He's just, he cannot be bothered. He is done. Which is kind of like, you know, they wanted him to come cure this guy. He's like, nah, can't be, bu- can't be fucked. I'm going to go do this now. <laughs> he is Dracula who has just woken up. <laughs> it's a no bones day for Dracula. <laughs> I hate that I know what that is. He's not unhandsome. That's the thing. He's so low energy. And I think it's, I would say after, I would say after Udo Kier in B tier. He's got the period of clothes and like that, that helps. Where's the spice? Where's the spice? Um, It's in June, which I saw this weekend. Ha 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 ha. Sticking with 2006 and where Richard Roxburgh's Dracula was trying to be a DILF, we have the, I think, the first legitimate DILF on this list. Because this Dracula has kids. It's Keith Lee Castle from Young Dracula, where Dracula moves his two kids to a small town in Wales. Young Dracula, by the way, is actually a very adorable show. It's one of those things that it knows its stuff and therefore chooses to discard things or includes things. Like, it knows enough to have Dracula having met the mother of his second child at a goth festival at Whitby. (laughs) I don't know why there were goth festivals at Whitby unless he had previously caused things to happen at Whitby. Yeah, it's, it's actually one of those shows that I would highly recommend watching regardless of what age you are. It's got a lot of like surprisingly recognisable British actors in it. It was at a time when British TV was investing in children's programming. Ingrid, who is uh, Dracula's older daughter, who he clearly has the like Lucille Bluth, I don't care for Job vibes towards. Like, she's clearly like the second kid to him, is which is really funny. Uh, it's really fun in it. The kid is called Vlad Dracula and it never dawns on anyone that there's something suspicious about that. Which is hilarious to me. How how would you categorize this? Who's played by Keith Lee Castle, and who has like a solid headshot on Wikipedia? It must be said. He did go on to actually play a sexy adult Dracula in some sort of theater thing. I haven't found any like you know promo footage or anything like that, but there are definitely pictures of him on a bed with I assume as a Lucy type character, uh, just holding her really long-limbed and just like i'm not sure if he's biting her if he's kissing her or the both thing that they do but like the reviews were like very sexy apparently the 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 reviews approved of his more adult take on dracula i don't know we can necessarily rank him too high because he is pretty handsome but this is this is dad's dracula and he's such a dork (laughs) if dracula was your dorky dad he's better looking than Mark Warren. Yeah, I, I would say that's fair. And we do love us, and you know, the whole single dad thing kind of, you know, is an automatic elevation, right? Like, it's a rule. Yeah, I mean, I am a sucker for like, it's not easy raising your vampire kids alone. <laughs> Guess on the B tier? Yeah, I'd say B is pretty. 
it's a middle tier and I feel like that's kind of a good way to look at it as well. I guess the question is first or second or third? I mean, he's got the really great outfits. So maybe after Atif Captain? Yeah. Or before? I I would say after Udo. Cuz you, you got to like you've always got to understand that weird sinister European camp charm. Plus, you know, he made Wales exciting in a way that wasn't Doctor Who related. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> well, I mean, what's their vampire story? A chair. We are obsessed with that chair. I would like to buy the chair. <laughs> and I think that's the end of the 2000s Dracula, where they're all with their long, flowing black hair. And we break into much shorter and also blonder Draculas. It looks like with the 2010s. Yeah, so 2012, this is Dracula 3D, directed by Dario Argento. It is the worst thing Dario Argento has ever made. This is Thomas Kretschmann, who is a German actor who you've probably recognised in a bunch of things. He is a very, like, he's a handsome man. I'm trying not to let our rule, like, I because we're going purely by aesthetics, I'm trying not to let it get in the way how fucking awful this movie is it's the one with the giant cgi praying mantis i mean it could be 2020 we're not there yet we're not there yet (laughs) i know we will forever hate that yeah going gonna gonna go to the grave mad about that one sorry guys it is a bad dracula film he's i I mean it is a weird thing because like if you told me he just rocked up to set that day looking like that and didn't have to do hair or makeup or anything because it was that cheaply made, I'd probably believe you. Because everything in this film just looks cheap as hell. Like, he looks fine, but does he look like fine as Dracula? <sighs> he's fine. He just looks like he stepped out of any number of period dramas. Yeah, he, that's the thing is he's very nondescript. You wouldn't look at him and think, you wouldn't even look at him and think vampire. You would just look at him and be like, oh, there's like some guy. And I don't think that's enough. Honestly, I I would definitely put him after Bella Lugosi. But maybe into the C. Just because he's just... I would say top of C tier. Because it is that thing. It's not enough for you to just exist. Sorry, darling. <laughs> 2013, also starring Thomas Cretchen, by the way, is the NBC series of Dracula starring Jonathan Rhys Myers, which I have seen all the way through more than once and I'm pretty sure I'm the only person on earth that can say that. That show got that show got really not even fun weird, just kind of sad weird. Um this is the version where Dracula is like Nikola Tesla. He's like Tesla but also really bad at being Tesla. <laughs> he's just such a whiny little baby. The best thing about that ad- that adaptation is Nonsu Anozi as Renfield because that Renfield is fucking done with everyone yep he is the best renfield even though he is the like least accurate renfield in any adaptation and for that we are thankful he is a renfield who you want to go off and start his like own business like him and guillermo from what we do in the shadows should team up the other thing is about this show is it has still has a very diehard fandom but only in the sense of those that ship Lucy and Mina. They do not care about anything else. They are just here for the two ladies getting together. Uh, this is the version with Mina, where um, uh, Lucy is actually gay, and 
not so secretly in love with Mina, but Mina is also, it does that thing that we hate in Dracula adaptations, which is the incarnated romance story. Uh. But it is the version where Van Helsing is evil, which is really interesting, and he's played by Thomas Kretschmann. The thing is, there are really interesting ideas going on here, and then none of it works out. It's all bad. But I have seen it twice, because I'm a loser. Um, but Jonathan Rhys Myers is really handsome in it. Like, frankly, he should always be playing vampires. He just looks like he has that about him. Yeah, he just doesn't look like Dracula. No, that's the thing is, he just looks kind of like a guy who should be writing about Dracula. And is also a vampire, and that's how he gets stuff so accurately in his adaptations. <laughs> he, is, he is like the, the journalist. of like the, He's a Dracula correspondent for, like, Transylvania Times or something like that. But, like, I think that counts for something. I say B tier, and I would put him... Probably above Udo. B? I would say B, yeah. B tier? Really? Well, it, the thing is, if we're putting Kretschmann at C, I think he's higher than Kretschmann. I was going to say Jonathan Rhys-Meyer, just by virtue of being Jonathan Rhys-Meyer, should be like at least bottom of the A tier. I mean, look, look, look who he's next to. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Okay, I'm, I'm, I, I will, I will. We will adjust at the end once we see what the full picture is. Meanwhile, we've got this list. Stat wannabe down here at number, uh, well, the other 2013 with Luke Roberts and Dracula the Dark Prince. He's not attractive, but it's just like, who is this the stat wannabe? I genuinely thought that this guy was like from Twilight when I first saw this. <laughs> just the, the, the Lestat looking motherfucker from Twilight. <laughs> Honestly, I think Dracula's presence could only have improved Twilight, if only for the hilarity of how badly it would have been made. It would have messed up everything. So, yeah, this is from Dracula the Dark Prince, the one with John Boyd as uh, Van Helsing. And, yeah, all I can say is he looks like he's going to a casting call to try and be cast as Lestat. In the musical. Oh, why? Why would you do that? Tell me, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, he showed up to San Francisco looking like that, wanting to be cast. Unlike, you know, Drew Sarich, who showed up with his fangs and everything ready to go and was just, like, sad for the <laughs> set. Not being able to wear his ma- wear his fangs or his contacts. Are you saying I didn't understand the assignment, good sir? I just came from playing Dracula, you good sirs. Yeah, this is also the reason why we haven't included musicals, because it just would have been Drew Sarich at the A tier and then I, at the top of the S tier. And then we would have had a sad conversation of where to go with Thomas Borship, who is going to be playing Frankenstein, this monster, in an upcoming musical. <laughs> Apparently in English. The pause of breath there was what made it. <laughs> yeah, because I was just like, wait, no. It, this is not one of the ones where he plays both, you know, the monster and Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster is monster's Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So anyway, I mean, I don't really have much to say about this movie. I think they wanted to differentiate him from all of the other Draculas, but they just went too hard and they just made him look like Lestat. This just feels so out of date as well. I don't, I don't even know. He's pretty, but there's like, why? Why is this choice made? The wig doesn't look that bad compared to some of them looking at you, Richard Roxborough. I mean, someone styled that wig at least. I mean, they probably did borrow it from something like Interview with the Vampire or something who d- who made this movie anyway it was shot in a romania so good effort on that it's a Lionsgate. 
Flickery Myth reviewed the film as having, quote, lackluster direction, cheap sets, and poor CGI. Damning with no praise. <laughs> it is that thing of, like, it's not interesting to me, but, like, just kind of... If you were telling me this was as, give us adaptations of Anne Rice, it would be a different thing, but we're going by Dracula. Yeah. Dracula's who are too pretty, I think that there's something not entirely on the level there, you know? Yeah, I think just also any blonde Dracula just feels out of place just because of the sea of dark-haired men. Yeah, this is a very dark-haired list, actually. We have more bald men on this than blonde men, I think. Yes. Uh, oh, we have Thomas and we have Luke. And then we have... Yeah, two bald men. It definitely runs towards the idea of the tall, dark, and handsome with the dark not meaning a man of colour. And except for, of course, pages from a virgin's diary. Why is this like the most contentious one? Because it's just like, I mean, he's there. No, no offense to you, Luke Roberts. It's just like we're talking so much about this, given that like this is very uninteresting part for us. It's yeah, it's it's interesting in the fact that we just can't decide technically proficient in the handsomeness category but why has he just wandered over from an Anne Rice that's the thing if we're talking purely about just oh well he's technically okay that's that's not interesting at all I am more attractive to many of the B tier than I am this guy I'm just very confused by this guy yeah so that to me like I, I don't think we can say anything interesting or really put him in an interesting place I think he has to go B, just because he's almost so uninteresting he doesn't deserve C. But whereabouts on the Bs? Because, I mean, he is pretty. And just at the end. That's true, but, like, where's the personality? You can't just rely on pretty, as RuPaul's Drag Race has told me many times. Speaking of Luke's, Luke Evans from 2014's Dracula Untold. Oh my god, Dracula Untold. One of the not the the er example of why we are not ranking this on quality of film, but like a very good case as to why we did this. Good looking man. Ugh, the film. Here's also the thing though, he is not a bad Dracula. He is just saddled with the most uninteresting wannabe Iron Man superhero origin story version of the character. But when he's in armor, he is the best Dracula in armor since Oldman. Have we? Granted, it's not a thing they do very often. Yeah, I was going to say, have we had any Draculas in armor? <laughs> no, but that armor is very nice. It is. Like, he's got a sense of style. He is also technically a Dilf. He's got a kid. This is, the... loves his wife. Do not love the reincarnation aspect, but, you know, they had to film that in to tie it into the universe, you know. That was filmed at the last, that was filmed months later. Not big on that whole let's romance the warlord thing, but the, which is the inherent problem of why maybe you shouldn't turn your, Dra your sympathetic Dracula story into a tie into Vlad Tepes because his history is like obviously messy. You know, Vlad the Impaler wasn't like a nickname he gave himself in university, guys. It wasn't a reference to his sexual prowess. There was not really much consent involved with the big stakes up the butt, I tell you. We've been here a while, can you tell? <laughs> but I think what you give this Dracula credit for as well is he's, like, 
most Draculas tend to be life. They kind of are very, like, you can't imagine them, like, swinging a sword around. But this is a Dracula who, like, could crush a man's head like a beer can before he even becomes a vampire. And I think you have to say something for that. Definitely. I think we put him top of A tier. Because he's not a vampire in enough of the movie as well. That's the thing. I'm still shocked that the Buffy vs. Dracula is up so high. But anyway, we have our first and only female Dracula on this list. It's uh, Trisha Helfer in Van Helsing, the series, which is also gender flips the main char- the, the title character. Yes? Yes. Uh, it was on sci-fi. And honestly, Trisha Helfer is S-tier. Just, just by virtue of being Trisha Helfer, I may be biased because I love Mass Effect and I am watching Lucifer. I'm cool with this. Because, I mean, let's get it's Trisha Helfer. Yeah. What is there to say? <laughs> she is so good at this kind of role. She's so tall and beautiful. Um, and she has that edge where there's still something that you feel like she could play a really sinister character. I mean, that's her whole thing in Battlestar Galactica. Yes, yeah, same with what's hap- what I'm seeing in Lucifer. Just so many layers in the character. Like, such a bitch, but still so sympathetic at times. Is she prettier than Gerard Butler or Gary Oldman? Or even... <sighs> higher i think we can put her um uh, before oldman i kind of feel like there should just be a, a whole tier of just trisha help yeah <laughs> that's only fair like i mean she does have the unfair advantage of not just being trisha helfer but just like being our only female dracula she is in a whole different stratosphere yeah and we don't want to put too much on her shoulder for that because she should be able to stand on her own two feet and she does also, I'm not tall enough to put things on her shoulders. That is true. Like, she's also a fucking successful Dracula. In the series, like, she basically takes over the White House by killing the American president. So this is like the the Anno Dracula, but with a hot lady. And she doesn't need to marry anyone to get power. But she does have a, like... An obedient, loving husband who's played by Kim Coates from uh, Sons of Anarchy and a bunch of other things, which I respect. You know, a, a Dracula who knows how to keep men in their place. I just started hearing the song "By Wife Energy" in my head. <laughs> is that does that describe him? He loves his wife, and his wife is Dracula. You know, every male reaction to Lady Dimitrescu in uh, in Resident Evil. Male reaction? I'm sorry. It was everybody's reaction to Lady Tim- Dimitrescu. Every every TikToker's reaction. It's kind of like that energy. The mommy step on me. Yeah, there is that kind of like, who can relate quality? All of us. All of us can relate. So, yeah. Trisha Helfer, you go, sister. It would be an honour to die at your hand. Yeah. Take over the world already. We respect it. You can only make politics better as a result. Girl bossed a little too close to the sun. <laughs> Well, not Sun. That can't be good for her. We are now at the end of our list and we are about to... um, We have to now find a ranking for our final Dracula, the most recent Dracula adaptation, which is the Stephen Moffat, Mark Gatiss adaptation from 2020 that was on BBC One, starring Clay's Bang. He's so fucking hot, you guys. (laughs) I can only, like, imagine it in my head because, like, Mark Gatiss is, like... A big member of the Society of Dracula with, like, Elizabeth Miller, who I fangirl. Um, She's the person who writes a lot about how Vlad the Impaler is not Dracula, so therefore I stand. Um, 
But I'm just imagining him showing up to the next meeting and being like, hey guys, what did you think of my Dracula adaptation? And everyone just being thankful the pandemic hit and they didn't have to do that. Oh, I'm. you know what? I could talk for days, and I have, about how much I hated how much I hated this adaptation. You've been paid to write about how awful this thing is. I did get paid to review every episode for Vagina.com. You can find them there. And um, it's on Netflix if you want to experience the horror for yourself. But as we said, we are ranking this purely on how good looking the Dracula is. And Clive Bang, as Dracula, is so fucking hot. It's, it's such a shame because he deserved a good Dracula movie or TV show. He just did not deserve Moffat. But who does deserve Moffat? It was like, it was really the curling down of the finger on the cursed monkey's paw. Yes, I want to be known around the world and I want to portray Dracula. Well, Stephen Moffat's making a thing. So many choices that were not good. So I'm still sad. <laughs> I'm still very sad. And it sucks because he's really fun in it. And like, I wish that he'd just gotten to be that kind of like clearly pansexual, devious, mischievous asshole. Except he's not bisexual, he's bi-homicidal. Oh god, fuck Stephen Moffat. You keep talking constantly about wanting to make uh, Jonathan Harker your bride, but you're only bi-homicidal. Moffat, like, for a man who hates how much his fandom has latched onto the shipping of all of his stuff, Stephen Moffat is so big on no homo. <laughs> There's a lot of no homo in it. It's very, very weird. To the point where you're like, do you need to talk to someone? He's making the time traveler's wife next. It's like, hmm, so where can I get some built-in misogyny to my material? Here you go. And then what they do to Dracula in this series is such a mess. What they do to fucking Lucy Westenrod is horrific. Lucy Westenrod is one of the most poorly adapted characters in, like, literature. Like, she is just... She... I swear... Um, edit adapters look at her and think she exists to be abused. Or to be just turned into, you know, the slot. Oh, I thought I was meaning abused by them, by the writers. <laughs> well, yeah, basically there, there, there are layers to this level of bullshit. They think, oh no, I don't want to break the hearts of three good men. I kind of wish I could marry them all. That way they would all be happy as I am the biggest slut to ever slut. Yeah. And the worst thing is, like, if you wanted to do something different and interesting, just do what Honestly Dracula 2013 did with the lesbian Lucy. Because, like, their letters have um, two-girl friendship, kind of. There were roommates, besties, gal pals kind of vibes going on. Have you ever seen the Prozy D sketch of um, anime where it's, like, anime love triangle and he goes, what if we all just fucked one another? Okay, and anime was solved forever. Like, that that should just be all all adaptations of Lucy. Just like, what if we just got into a big fuck pile? Okay, I'm cool with that. Um, it's, it's, I mean, like, the Lucy treatment just ties in with all the Mina reincarnated romance things. It's like, you just brutally violated and killed her best friend. Why would she forgive you for that? That's the worst reintroduction you can make to your soulmate, if you believe that. Oh yeah, by the way, while I was looking for you, I uh, slept with your best friend, and then killed her. So, uh, 
My bad. <laughs> My bad. I'm not going to sleep with her again. Because your other friends, you know, killed her again. Whoopsie doodle. You see all these things on Etsy with the I have crossed oceans of time to find you. Being credited to the book, by the way. When everything Lucy and Mina say is far more romantic to each other. You know, we can talk about building our castles in the air. We shouldn't have to do your shipping for you guys. Stoker did it for you guys. Or at the very least, like, you've got three men that went hot air ballooning before they filmed Dracula 1992. Why not do that? Just the three <laughs> bros having adventures and just being super respectful to their one lady. Come on, guys. Okay, back onto the the only good part. This one picture of... Well, I mean, I did like the promo material where the, when it went dark, you'd see the shadow of Dracula on the um, billboard. Um, I will say there are some great promotional images from this, like the one where he's butt naked and on his hands and knees licking a blade covered in blood. The most bangable Dracula. He's so hot, you guys. <laughs> he's so handsome. It is, like, fucking ridiculous how handsome Yeah, th this, this is the reason why we have the quality of the adaptation matters nothing clause. The clay spang clause. <laughs> also, he's a musician in real life, guys. Yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, sorry, Frank Langella, like, this is pure taste, but, like, I think he's turned him for a while. I'm gonna put, I want to put him a second just because, like... Yeah, I don't want to give Stephen Moffat too much credit for that is the thing. I don't think that this Dracula would, like, wash the blood off before he crawls into your nice clean sheets, whereas I think Frank Langella's one would. Frank Langella's Dracula would respect that you just did a whole pile of laundry and doesn't want to give you additional work. Before he whips out the lasers from the Who concert. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the other thing. is like, we have, we have some sort of, like, character consistency with the Langella one. He doesn't get completely cocked up by writers who do not care. Like per Thang. Very good looking, but just, like, the open shirt. Come on. Yeah. I'm, I, also, Thang is about to be in the new um, Robert Eggers movie, The Northman, alongside Alexander Skarsgård. So, like... I may never recover. He's, I mean, Bjork is also going to be in this movie, guys. I'm very excited. What is it? I was, I, I'm almost sadder that it wasn't more commercially successful, the the, the Moffat Dracula, because at least that way we would have gotten some good fucking fan fiction out of it. Because, like, that was the other saving grace. Like, for, like, Sherlock fandom obviously has its own history, but there's also so much fan fiction in that fandom that is way better than the show. It's like all the people who have fixed all the bullshit with Harry Potter in fanfiction. Like, we could have gotten that in fandom, and we didn't even get that. So it's like, what do we have? We have Clay Spang. That's basically it. His surname is Bang, guys. I think it's pronounced Pang, but still, his surname is Bang. Pangable Dracula doesn't really work. Okay, so I think we've gone through everyone. Um... Finally, looking at our thing, we have on our S tier, in order from highest to lowest, so most Sable to... <laughs> You're not going for the most suckable joke that we easily could have gone for there? Oh, I don't know. 
in the neck vein sense, you perverts. This is our last look over before we make adjustments. So S tier, bottom t from top to bottom, Frank Langella, Clay Spang, Zhang Weikian, Trisha Helfer, Gary Oldman, young Gary Oldman with the top hat and the glasses, and then Gerard Butler. A, we have Luke Evans, Rudolph Martin, Richard Roxburgh, and I think Richard Roxburgh is just sort of like where the, we feel like there's a line. I don't know why. Then we've got young Christopher Lee, uh, Louis Jordan, and then uh, Jonathan Rhys Myers. B tier, Atif Captain, Udo Kier, Keith Lee Castle, Mark Warren, Big Mustachio, <laughs> Christopher Lee with the big mustache. Bella Lugosi, the OG, the the one that all others try to live up to. Uh, Luke Roberts. Then on C, we've got Thomas Kretschmann, uh, George Hamilton, David Carradine, Carlos Villara, and then D tier, sadly, Jack Palance, uh, Leslie Nielsen, Boob Hair, Gary Oldman, and last but not least, Klaus Kinski. Someone had to come last, guys. You know how this is. And I, I think everyone that like there, if there's only gonna be one thing that anyone agrees with us, there is a limit to our monster fucking. <laughs> I feel this is a very fair and just list. I think maybe like the B tier might wiggle a little bit. But that's the case with time. all B tiers in these kinds of rankings. Yeah. I kind of keep wanting to move Mark Warren behind Bella Lugosi, just because at least Bella Lugosi can stand up straight. And, you know, has a presence to him in his pictures, whereas he's just, Mark Warren's just sat down after a hard day of seducing virgins. You just can't <laughs> be bothered finding the remote. It's like when you've had a heavy meal and you just can't be bothered anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to do things today. Uh, I'll just open up Twitch and watch TV. <laughs> I've just got to lie and watch some Minecraft and then go to bed. <laughs> yeah, watch some guy do Minecraft or watch somebody else play Resident Evil Village. I think it's probably the B tier that's probably going to be the most wiggly, like... Because I keep looking at that fantastic profile of Atif Captain and just being like... The vibes are strong in that one. Yeah. But I think what we're also seeing here is a really interesting kind of approximation of... The things about Dracula that change over the adaptations and over the decades and things that stay the same. Because, like, there are a lot of tuxedos in this image. The men typically are older. Like, you're more likely to find, like, an, an older gentleman here than a pretty boy, which is how it should be. Um, I'm pretty sure the median age here must be late 40s, early 50s. It's still very white. Very, very white, because look at these some of these pale-ass motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah, these, some of these people even needed the vampire makeup for that. I think they were just pale. But, like, this is the reason that we keep doing Dracula stuff. I mean, not just because of pure monster-fucking joy, but, like, as we've mentioned before, vampirism is, like, the great pop culture metaphor of our time. It is the most incredible and malleable way to explore issues of death and sex and religion and xenophobia and all of these various intersections and you see that just in the way that we present this character and the way that we fetishize him 
here we have the tragic immortal lover, we have the fallen hero, we have just straight up villain, we have dorky dad. Almost as interesting, it, it's more obvious here, but it's like with every actor who plays like uh, Gruff on Krolok or the Phantom, same character, but each actor is like completely different in the role. So I'm going to stick with the vampire one, like you know, Drew Sarich is who got really got that mocking nobleman kind of vibe, whereas Ivan Otsogin is like just ice cold bastard. Robert Meyer is, I think he's a little bit different in this run up. He like he spent lockdown workshopping his Krolock a lot, but he was one of the oldest and the weariest sounding, despite being one of the youngest. And then again with the Phantoms, you've got. You know, the ones that play it more, I am straight up villain, I am sad boy, hear me cry. And you get, I am sad boy, hear me cry too, in these things. And then there are the ones that... And it's an exciting thing for an actor to do. It must be a really interesting challenge. And some of these actors grabbed it with both hands. Other ones were sleepy. You know, other ones needed to take a nap. Other ones were phoning it in a little bit, but there are some ones here that are really bloody good. If you tell somebody you're going to be playing Dracula in a major film or TV show, everyone knows that. You don't have to explain anything else. You're saying, I'm playing Dracula. And I don't know if it's like the peak of your career, but it's certainly going to be like one of those moments you mark down. You got cast as like one of the, the big characters. I have no idea how Richard Roxburgh got the role, but if I were offered the role of Dracula, I'd be like, sweet. Just need to add more grease to the hair and give him three wives. I think a lot of people watched him play the Duke of Moulin Rouge and were like, well, he's already halfway there. I am, I am satisfied with this ranking and I'm very excited for when we get more to add to it because we're supposed to be getting a movie about the Demeter, we're supposed to be getting a Renfield movie, we're supposed to be getting at least two Dracula movies, one by Chloe Zhao and one by Karen Kusama. Um, there will always be more because the public domain is a beautiful, beautiful thing, people. And vampires never fully go out of fashion. There's a lot to look forward to, and I think that we will definitely be keeping up tabs on that. We may cover it in future episodes of our podcast as we return to our usual way of doing things. We've got a lot of fun and exciting stuff coming up over the next few months as we return to the status quo. And we hope you'll stick around for that. Uh, thank you for sticking with us through this most nonsensical of Fangthology episodes. It's given me real blood-sucking feminist vibes complete with all the detours that I am going to have to have edited out that I've edited out we will be back on regularly scheduled programming uh, next month do not ask me what the topic is if I know I do not know right now it is too early despite being 9 30 in the morning it's a Sunday if you'd like to make your own ranking if you seriously want to think you can do better than us you probably can I will have the tier maker link listed in the description or on our website which is fangthology.com our twitter handle is fangthology as so is our instagram handle you can find both kaylee and myself also on instagram and twitter and all that sort of fun stuff kaylee's busy writing about ya novels and nfts so that's fun
Uh, it's 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 a real hearkening back to our our young days on the internet. If you want to read anything I've written, pop culture wise, uh, follow me on Twitter at Kayleanne, and you can find my work scattered around the place. Um, not as much vampire stuff as I would like, but you know you got to go where the money is. And right now it is slagging off NFTs. So, uh, if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, it does help us with the almighty algorithm. Oh, and if you want to just come talk to us vampires, come come do that. We like that. Yep, rec- recommend us more vampire books and movies that that are coming out or you think that we may not have heard of. We might surprise you with ones that we have heard of. Um, I have just ordered the other 1897 vampire book. Ooh, I haven't got that one yet. Hopefully it will get here in time for my birthday. Birthday present to myself. Thank you for hanging out with us as we talk stupid. Uh, and we will sound much better next time when we have an actual script. Uh, until then, thank you for listening to the Fanthology. Because we mentioned the Bloodsucking Feminist, and this does feel like a real throwback to that, uh, don't let the vampires bite, unless that's your thing. Bye.